From the Mid-South Band Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Mac Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Did you catch the debate last night? I was not able to watch the debate last night. Had a uh, crew meeting. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast, Crew of Fernando, Men's Ministry Group in Hernando. Uh, we had a meeting last night. Had a great opportunity to uh, discuss some things there, some wonderful things we're doing. And uh, just wasn't able to meet, I'm sorry, to see the debate. Read a lot about it, uh, but I wasn't able to see it. I was at the same meeting. And, yeah, we will not be talking about the debate today. But what we can talk about is if you're in the market for a house, which it seems everybody is today, a great place to turn is Team Couch. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group has been our presenting sponsor for this month of October. Uh, we want to thank them. Uh, Brian and Terry do a great job over at Team Couch. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group has been in business now for over 13 years. They have been the number one place for residential real estate for the last decade right here in DeSoto County. If you're looking to buy or sell residential real estate in DeSoto County, there's no better team than Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Reach out to Team Couch at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Podcast is also recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday mornings at the Mobile Car and Van Rental Studio in Hernando at 2571 McCracken. Mid-South Vans has become Mobile Car and Van Rental in Hernando. Reach out to them for any van or car rental need, 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555 for any car rental or van rental needs in Hernando. Well, I hope everybody was able to catch the special episode that we had yesterday on Thursday with Corey Osselton. Matt sat down with Corey, the superintendent for DeSoto County Schools, and had a great, uh, almost an hour-long interview, but just a lot of good content in there. Uh, Matt did a great job sitting down and, and just having that conversation. So we do appreciate uh, Superintendent Usselton for coming in here and for the time that he gave. And again, just uh, if you haven't listened, please click on that episode. Please subscribe so you can get future episodes like that. You know, so I just want to, again, we do want to apologize. However, I know that some of y'all, when it popped up there, we didn't give much heads up that that was coming. Uh, it was kind of short notice. Corey was able to come in and we were able to do that. And so we do apologize if you clicked on it and then it went straight to the interview. Uh, next time we'll have a better lead in. But uh, again, gloss over that and then just enjoy the rest of the interview because there's a lot of good information about what's coming up in the county and kind of what's been going on. So we do appreciate him for that. What about Corey uh, within the first minute mentioning that he was the trainer for the uh, Memphis Tigers uh, with Penny Hardaway? That's pretty which, awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. It throws me for a little bit of a loop there and uh, mentions that he's a, he's the manager for um, Coach Finch and, and Penny Hardaway. Do you think he knew Little Penny too? <laughs> I don't know Little Penny. You ever did, did you ever notice how Little Penny like he couldn't separate his hands? He just had <laughs> little Little Penny. <laughs> you know? Like I you know I I thought they would bring back Little Penny. I mean you know Memphis has got a little money up there, throw it up there, and just has not happened. A little not Little happened. Penny is one of the best characters of any. Uh, was it Adidas Converse? Golly, that's what. See, that's why. That's why it's not longer here. I think it was Nike, wasn't it? Uh, it may have been Nike. Anyway, regardless, he. Uh, his hands were together that you couldn't. He, I don't know if you Tyra exactly. No diggity. He played on no diggity. He played the, no the diggity. Yeah, played Tyra, no, Tyra, but, but he had Tyra no, Banks. Yes, he had no uh, no hands. His fingers wouldn't separate. Anyway, but hey, what a, a great time with Corey. Sat down with him for about an hour and visited with him and uh, just really try not to spoil it. If you haven't listened to the interview, please go back and do that. But a wonderful time with Corey. Just a good guy. I will say this as a DeSoto County resident. As a dad who has three kids in the Soda County Schools, I am very confident in uh, his ability, very confident in our leadership at the top, uh, taking us in the right direction. No, I agree. Uh, I think he's doing a great job. 
Uh, and so, again, thank you for coming on and find it, subscribe, listen. Find the special episode. He's not actually one of our numbers that we've typically been able to do. This is episode number 22. So it just says special episodes. So click on that and uh, and listen to Corey. Uh, a lot of great information. If you're a parent of a kid in DeSoto County Schools, just a lot of good information and a bit of an insight into the man that's making the decisions to uh, guide our kids each and every day. 34,200 students each and every day in DeSoto County. Speaking of leadership, Derek, uh, on Tuesday night, we had a lot going on in Hernando. Tuesday night, the Hernando Board of Aldermen met, discussed some things that we've talked about uh, a ton on the podcast. What you got? All right. Well, I'm going to go in the order of the agenda, uh, and just so we don't jump around and, and try to... So the, if you pull up the agenda, the agenda's on the uh, website every week about what's coming up uh, on the first and third Tuesdays for the Alderman meetings. And so I'm going to be going by the agenda. And so we'll, some of the things we'll kind of fly through, and there are a couple of things we obviously want to have a lot of discussion about. The first thing that was talked about was the DeSoto Economic Council has asked all of the cities to chip in to basically hire a lobbyist for our county in Jackson to try to get deals to DeSoto County. And the BPT Strategies, uh, Ben Thompson was the guy that came up there for BPT Strategies. They wanted, to hire, they wanted to hire him as, I guess, a lobbyist to try to attract business, both to Mississippi and then specifically to DeSoto County. Jim Flanagan was the one that has kind of asked for this. The The fee for this uh, is $15,000. Hernando's part of that, so it's pro rata, is $1,350. So that's what they were voting on. They had a nice discussion. Basically, they're looking at... Is that 15000 a year? Uh, 15000 I believe, right? Yeah, maybe it's a one-time fee. I, again, the audio is not great. Right. Um, and so I was watching it all two hours and 45 minutes of the meeting. For what I understand, it was a one-time thing, I, for the, at least for this year. Yes, it's, it's $1,350. It's for new legislation. Basically, what they're trying to do is this: they're putting together a package of tax incentives that can be well understood, well marketed by this lobbyist to say, okay, businesses, if you come to DeSoto County, if you come to Mississippi first, and then if you come to DeSoto County, you're going to get X. Okay. And so puts them on level playing grounds with other cities close to us, Memphis, other states close to us, Alabama, Tennessee. And to attract the industry, now they did mention that one of our largest hurdles is the fact that we have a sales tax, uh, excuse me, a state income tax. Tennessee does not. They are able to put together incentive packages to to attract. This guy is going to try to help sell that. The aldermen voted on it. They did approve the $1,350 for our portion, but of course that's going to be determined on if the other cities and the county itself also agree to pay the the fee. Kind of makes sense, Derek. I mean, what goes on each and every year in Mississippi, I'm sorry, each and every year in Jackson is uh, would be quite surprising to us. Lobbyists, uh, there's a place uh, for them right now, both in D.C. and Jackson. Um, and if it's something that's needed to draw business into the area, draw business into DeSoto County, uh, then, I mean, for $1,350 for Hernando to be a part of that makes total sense. I mean, it, it's yeah. not, you know... It, I'm not saying that maybe, you know, and there was some couple of good points. A couple of Alderman brought up, well, don't we already have people down there fighting for us? Then who has been attracting industry for us before? Why are we hiring the special person? But it's, it's, there's a specific legislation that's trying to get this tax incentive package passed. That's what they're going to be doing. I mean, it's, it's kind of a specific thing. I, I'm pretty sure it's a one-time fee that you asked that. Now, the more that I try to understand, again, trying to make sure. So I'm going to say it's a one-time fee. If I'm wrong, somebody please correct me. But again, uh, $1,350. So now it'll be up to the other cities to pass their portion to see if it actually goes through. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, someone who's well-versed in how to talk to businesses, how to talk to industry to come to Soda County, especially Hernando, that uh, seems like a no-brainer to me. So I like the idea. All right, the next thing they discussed was the Dale Wilson PUD. This is the 
property just north of one Memphis Street that all is also owned by Dale Wilson. You know, this has been should have been here a month or two months ago. Planning Commission passed it early back in September. It was tabled a couple times, uh, and then finally it, it came through last night. And it's it's a pretty interesting project. Um, it's going to be there's what was proposed are three townhomes built as one single building. There'll be the two on the outside will be 1,600 square feet. The unit in the middle will be 1,300 square feet. The doors to the entrance from the ones on the side will kind of be to the side, so on either corner, basically, of the building. And then, of course, the door for the middle unit will be right in the middle. Uh, There'll be six parking spots on Memphis Street designated to this. Now, they don't think they can specifically designate it. There's also going to be uh, small, I think, four parking spots actually as part of the building. And then there'll be six more with slanted lines uh, in front of the building. Now, slanted or diagonal lines. What was proposed was is that they take diagonal lines all the way up Memphis Street on both sides. Sure. For those of y'all that are familiar, Memphis Street's a one-way street, so it's not like you'd be backing up into traffic. I mean, you would be, but it'll only be going one way, so it's kind of you know, easy to see. They did not specifically pass that part or talk about passing that part last night because they wanted the, the city engineer, Joe Frank Lauderdale, to go back out there, do some measurements. Okay, well, how long is the stripe? People backing out, making sure there's not going to be, you know, obviously fender benders trying to do that. They, that was part of the proposal. And that, that could happen. You could see slanted lines all the way up, you know, Memphis Street, all the way to the Underground Cafe. Obviously, be done in one phase. There was some questioning on water lines of whether or not the building would have to be sprinkled uh, because it is over 5,000 square feet as one continuous building. It sounds like that it may be. There's a four-inch water line that runs to that property. Uh, one of the aldermen questioned whether or not a four-inch water line could carry a sprinkled project. There was some discussion. Seemed to think it would be okay, so they kept talking about it. I guess got past that issue. The parking spots, as I said, are not dedicated on the front. There will be four parking spaces on the thing uh, as part of the project. The developer um, would paint the stripes. So if they do allow for the slanted stripes, uh, it would go from 15 current parallel parking spaces on Memphis Street to 30. So it does double the parking if, if that is allowed to happen. Now, this is the, the part I found most interesting. So they, they, bought, they brought one of the, uh, the people representing the developer up to the podium, and they asked him, how much is it per foot to build? Matt, how much do you think? Per, all right, so Dell Wilson also developed the very nice, nicely done houses behind Uncle Bubba's, right? So they're, they're, they're more houses. Ivy. Two, is it huh? called Ivy? I think that's right. That's they're, right, Ivy. Right behind it, yeah. So they're two-story brick, beautiful, kind of a New Orleans kind of look to them. These are, how much do you think those were first? How much is it per foot, per square foot to build the ones behind Uncle Bubba's? Well, the issue I'm having is the fact that they would ask how much it is to build, and then you can easily figure out how much it was sold for, and that's none of their business. Well, I, I'm, I'm not saying that's not their business, not their business. I think they were asking, well, I mean, what's, again, it, what's it per square foot? I would say to build the Ivy cost $95 a square foot. $141 a square foot. Okay. So $141 a square foot. To build foot. the ones behind Uncle Bubba's. Yes, now, exactly. approximately... How much do you think this new building with the three townhomes are going to cost to, to build? Well, with all the hassles and everything, I think it's going to probably push about one sixty-five. $155 a foot. So, so $155 a foot will be the cost for the developer for $1,600. 1300 1600 So, again, you can imagine what right, these will sure. be selling for. So, I'm not sure. saying downtown. I mean, the, the, no, the, the, the sale price is nice. What I'm simply saying is, is per square. I mean, it's good for everybody. No, that's what I'm saying. So, right if it sells yeah. for 170, 175 sure, foot to make course. the builder to make money, I mean, that's, that's fantastic for Hernando. I mean, it's in the historical district. Obviously, it's a walking distance of downtown. Uh, this is kind of a premium area. You know, there's not a lot of these here. So, that will, it, you know, uh, warrant that type of price. Sure. 
But I mean, you're talking close to two hundred dollars a square foot. No, I mean that's Oxford fifteen years ago. No, you know, what, what Dale's going to build is going to be a phenomenal project. It's going to be really, really nice buildings, no doubt. But I, I am kind of laughing a little bit about what does it cost to build it? What are we going to sell it for? It's really nice property right downtown for a lot of property owners around uh, around that area. Per square footage sale is going to be very, very nice. Is he going to sell it or is he going to rent it? Well, I, that was not said. Um, yeah, okay. so it's gotcha. not, he was just saying because the other ones right now are rentals. And the yes, ones exactly. Above yes. the rental, so he may keep them for a rental. Uh, but again, it's it's just it just shows you number one. I think everybody that is aware of the lumber cost, you know, those are going up. Brick costs that are going up. So the cost to build a house, I mean, that's where we are now. Sure. And you know, that's because of the supply chains that are broken. And, you know, all the builders are dealing with it now. Luckily, people are still paying the price for them. Again, that just that was kind of something very interesting. I, I knew they were high. I knew they were over the 120, 125. I had no idea we were talking 150. Yeah. Um, but look, the Ivy right behind Uncle Bubba's is very nice. Oh, no, it's, it's extremely uh, nice. Yeah, extremely and, nice. and you know he's going to be just as uh, diligent there at 1 Memphis Street with a building right next to this property that he owns. It's going to be very nice. Yeah, and, and the Alderman yeah. agreed with you because they passed it. it yeah, exactly. It passed. Exactly. They said, hey, we're not going to stay in the way, and Dale's going to do a great job, so good luck to him on yeah, that. Yeah, and the only thing, again, they're going to figure out about the, the parking and then get back on that, but that's the only thing that's up in the air right now. Doesn't that kind of make sense, though? I mean, a Joe Frank will measure everything, of course, but doesn't it make sense to go from 15 parking spots to 30 if we can? It's a one-way street. That's a no-brainer, right? Well, it does make sense just as long as, you know, backing out, you're not sure. backing out into each other if you're yeah. in the same, you know, across from each other in the parking. Did you ever feel like at your position in life right now that you would be discussing parking spaces at one Memphis uh, Street? That would be a negative. <laughs> no, I, exactly. I did not. But it was interesting. Mean, again, I, I, know, I, I think know. the project is cool, but no, I did not. The next thing that did, there was a couple things, and these are some of the stuff that Natalie had talked about when we interviewed her uh, earlier on the Tuesday podcast, there's a couple of the things that the planning commission, the first one was the rezoning of the piece of property that's catty corner from the gas station on 51 and green tea. Um, the developer had wanted to take this to a one lot industrial subdivision. And, but he wanted, remember, if you remember Natalie saying that, that he wanted to ask the sidewalks to be removed. And of course the planning commission said, no, you have to keep your sidewalks. Well, it came to the alderman meeting. He kind of amended what he asked for. So, and it made a little more sense what he was asking is is that you cannot record a property. It cannot be recorded until the streets are I mean the, the streets are laid and the sidewalks are done, right? And then you can go to the city and say, Okay, I'm ready to record my property. In this case, they'll be done with there's a there's an access road that the city is gonna actually build into the property. That's not gonna be done for about a year or two. So what he's asking is if he can postpone putting the sidewalks in until the road is put in, but go ahead and plat the I mean go ahead and record the lot. So, so he's not getting away with having to put his sidewalk in. He's just going to postpone it a year or two, even after recording. So he's not, in other words, the sidewalk doesn't have to be in for him to record. The alderman understood, talked about it. Yes, they know the road has to go in by them. They're obviously not ready to do it right now. So he agreed. They agreed. It passed. The other one was the water tower in Nesbitt. And again, I'm kind of following through these because these are just, there's a new water tower coming to Nesbitt. It's uh, going to be two lots. The tower will be on one of the sites, one of the lots, a one-acre site. The other one, if anything ever wanted to go on the other one, it would have to come back before the planning commission in front of the Board of Aldermen to approve for that spot. But they did it. They did approve the one-acre site for the water tower. So this uh, improves the water pressure, improves the water situation in the Nesbitt area. Right. Well, in uh, capacity, be able to hold the water, you know, it. get it out sure. of the ground, hold the water, be able to distribute it out okay. uh, for the water tower. Then it leads into the main thing we're going to talk about today, and that is the... The ward redistricting. We talked about this last week that the mayor was going to bring it up. He mentioned on our podcast who was going to bring it up. He brought it up. And so it was on the agenda. 
It was item number 18 on the agenda. And so it started out like we thought it would. They went in there. They immediately started talking about how which ones didn't work, why they didn't work. Uh, one alderman came out. It was adamant that it was not he was not going to vote for two or for five A, which were the two that the attorney had recommended. Then there was one alderman who immediately threw out there that plan one was probably the best because it had the least deviation. And so you know he that was the one that made most sense. And he was adamant that we don't split subdivisions up. So split up you know in other words this half of subdivision will be voting in this ward and this one will be voting in this ward. Uh, another alderman was worried about some of the spaces that he was losing or some of the constituents that he would lose because of the way that number one was done and that whatever they do, maybe they should wait another year, basically, uh, but until we get the new census in and then we can sit down and do it then. Uh, another alderman was concerned that it was maybe messing with uh, the Voting Rights Act that was b- b- passed back in the 60s, how it affected that, how all of these affected that. And so there was a lot of, of, of back and forth. They you know, read the numbers, read the percentages, talked about the different, I guess, how many wards had the current numbers in them. Lowest ward was 900. Highest ward was 3,500. Of course, if y'all had listened to our podcast about a week, week and a half ago, you heard those numbers that we went through on that. So they, again, a lot of discussion, a lot of interesting discussion, a lot of heated discussion uh, went into it. The attorney reiterated, if you do not do this, this could be challenged legally in court. You know, whatever the election has, whoever's voted in, they could be challenged. And so, you know, this has been out of discrepancy. The current numbers for 2008, the plans are drawn off of the 2010 census. So again, it's still 10 years old. And yes, you could wait another year and do it because yes, you will have new numbers next fall with the census from this year, but you have an entire election that could be thrown out. Why do you want to wait? And you know, so again, and he was on the phone. He wasn't there. He was on Zoom call. So they had this discussion. Went on and on for what, Matt, about 40, 45 minutes? Exactly. Finally, you know, that after much discussion, they put it to a vote. Alderman made a motion to go against the two that the uh, attorney recommended, two and 5A, and to make a motion to accept plan one. Plan one, just to remind everybody, is the six the deviation of six point seven three percent. Catch us up on deviation real fast. Right. We were currently at ninety eight plus point four three percent. Right. So we were ninety eight point four percent in the wrong. Correct. So the, the smallest ward was ninety eight percent uh a deviation of the long of the largest ward. So you take that and we had to get within uh, the law requires under ten percent. And Supreme let me, Court said that. Supreme Court said under yes. Supreme Court said under ten percent. I hope everybody can understand there's two things and we we talked about this last time but I want I want to reiterate it again. This has there's two things it's looking at. Number one is the constitution. One man, one vote. If an alderman has only nine hundred people in his ward or 500 or 1200 let's say it doesn't matter i mean but 900 was the number that was used in the meeting on tuesday night that person represents 900 but has the vote of what should be 2500 right because he's you know that's how much he's one seventh of the the city if another man has 3500 in his ward well his vote's really only worth 2500 it's worth just the same as the man that has 900 that's where the one man one vote that's why they keep saying that over and over again that's the first thing the second one is is the the in the civil rights part of the civil rights act was the voting uh, rights act i guess it was section two they kept pressure for section two what it says is is that obviously you cannot purposely dilute minority vote all right purposely is the key word correct you cannot say you cannot you know gerrymander lines and stuff like that to try to get where okay we, we're going to Yes, there's a lot of uh, minorities in this area, but we're going to cut it through here, and so we can get some more, you know, non-minorities to be able to vote. You're not allowed to do that. Obviously, it's it's illegal. The problem is, is that all you know, there was six or seven plans done. All of them diluted the minority vote because the minority vote in Hernando 
is located strongly in one ward. Uh, and all the new minorities moving in are moving throughout the city. They're moving in different neighborhoods. They're not concentrated anymore into a certain ward. And so any plan that you would do, if you're going to add, you know, that was the one that had the 900 uh, people. So you're going to have to add at least 14, 1,600 people more than likely, they're not going to be a minority, not because of gerrymandering or purposely doing it. It's because the minorities are moved throughout different wards, but those wards now have more minorities. And their percentages went up, and the one for this ward actually went down. And so in this case, the minority went from a 73% where it is currently down to 44%. Now, the highest proposed plan uh, of minorities was 47 So it's not far from where, you know, so I guess the best case scenario for a minority vote would have been 47% in one of the plans. But ward, the plan one had 44%. It basically, the variance was 6.73%. The highest ward would now have, again, off of 2010 numbers, 2,417 people. That would be ward three. The lowest would be ward one at 2,259 people. So again, very tight uh, on the number of constituents per ward. Gentlemen with ward two, the alderman. So in discussion with him, what, what did his go to? Like, Oh, his numbers? Uh, yeah, his numbers. Okay, what did, so what did his numbers go to? From uh, originally, right now, right. His numbers are that's off 2010, that's 2008, off 2008 numbers, right. 982. Okay, and it would go to 2,302. So he went from 70 something percent minority vote down to 44. Correct. The number of constituents but went it, up by about three by about 300 percent. He went from 900 to 2,500, so almost 27. 2,300. All right, 2,300. Okay, so but then he the issue right there that he was concerned about was was the fact that it went from 73% right of of the total of Correct. the total ward to 44%. Correct. The number of voters actually went up. The minority voters, the actual individuals went from 547, which made up 73%, to 755 which made up 44%. And so, again, you and I are pretty fair on the UTW podcast here. The current situation was not correct, period. No. no. 98% uh, percent cor- incorrect. The the lawyer on the phone, and you told me to watch the, the uh, YouTube video, which I did, the lawyer on the phone was very adamant about, hey, guys, you may not get sued, but you may get sued. This is not correct. We're nowhere even near where it needs to be. Right. And they, they've known about it since 2011. They continued to kick the can down the road, which they did. And now it's 2020, and here we are where this has to be adjusted and fixed. Now, one of the aldermen was adamant. It's like, hey, we can wait until the 2020 census numbers so we have those numbers, and we're going to have to redo this all over again. That very well may be the case. However, this is the city election, so this will be in the spring. Okay, the spring. Yeah. Regardless, we have an election in, in six months. Yes. Uh, that brings all this same stuff up again. So that was something we talked about, you and I have talked about for the last two weeks, is finding out that the numbers with the city of Fernando were so off. Ward 3 was 3,500 people. Ward 2 was 900 people. That's not exactly where it's supposed to be. Right. And uh, it needed to be fixed. And this weekend, I'm sorry, this meeting on Tuesday night uh, addressed that. Uh, good for them for bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Good for them for, for making this change. Yes, we may have to totally redo it again a year from now. That is a fact. Sure. The 2020 census well, numbers. Well, they should do up. it again from a year from now. That, that's I won't argue like, with it. Yes. All cities exactly. should do yes. that. Yes. They should react to the census. Right. Where's the new growth? Where are people moving to? As you mentioned a second ago, the minority vote is not necessarily in more two as it was in 2010. It's different now. And we should want that. We should, of everybody, we, it's yes. a melting pot. We want everybody living yes. together. And that's, that's the whole purpose. And I mean, that shows that we've moved past. You know, sure. decades where we're used to, okay, y'all need to be over here. Okay, Derek, uh, you and I live on the same street. 
Mm-hmm. We live on the same street, the same houses in 2010 that were owned by people that look like me and you. In 2020, they're owned by African Americans. That's right. It's that simple. Yeah. It's a di- so, I mean, is a so, different place. Yeah. So the 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 percentage of the minority vote in that ward may be down. Yes. But it's up everywhere else. Exactly. And that, that's and that's and which that's is great. what everybody that's, should want. That's what we should want. Right. Exactly. So anyway, that's again the alderman then remade the motion to accept well to not accept two and five a to accept plan one. Uh, it was put to a vote. There was one alderman who was absent. So, again, there's seven aldermen and a mayor. Uh, one alderman was absent, so there would be six aldermen voting. Uh, the vote was three to three, three, four, three against the plan one. Uh, because the uh, seventh alderman was not there, the mayor, in the case of a board tie, gets the tiebreaker. And uh, Mayor Ferguson said, well, I mean, this is what should have been done 10 years ago. This is what we need to do. And so he voted yes. And so the plan passed four to three. And so we will now be looking at the redistricting. They'll have 30 days to put it. One of the aldermen already talked about possibly bringing up a lawsuit, you know, based on, you know, the plan. And again, that's what we'll see what happens with that. But for all intents and purposes, as of right now, it has passed. It is up for, it'll be up for uh, public discussion for the next 30 days. And then if, you know, we'll see what happens if there is a lawsuit or any other discussion. And then once that happens, they'll be start you know getting out the word to what ward you'll be voting in, what the district looks like now, your district looks like now. And there there will be, I'm sure, the city will share if they haven't already uh, copies of the the map. And so you know, hopefully, obviously, they'll be up before you know January 15th. I think is when you start qualifying or start uh, applying to run for alderman. But um, that's kind of where we are right now. It's going to be a very interesting spring. Yes, it will. <laughs> it's going to be a very interesting spring. I mean, for those of y'all who don't know, listen to podcasts, you know, different alderman seats, elections are coming up for re-election. Some people may be unopposed. Some people may have people that they're going to run against. And that's what this past Tuesday night was about. The redistricting, the rezoning of the wards changes uh, maybe some some places, some uh, some subdivisions or different parts of the city where uh, some of the aldermen had become pretty comfortable. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and a couple of examples. Ward three used to include Notting Hill and Forest Meadows. That is now in Ward six. Okay, okay so the new that's 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 one of the and that's probably the the largest example. Ward three now goes a little bit on the other side. Of, it used to be, all be on the east side of fifty five. It now goes a little on the west side of fifty five to Ward four. Um, ward two, which used to literally be just around the just on the south side of the square, now wraps all the way down uh, Oak Grove Road. Uh, some you know, uh, not all the way. I guess, uh, ends right around the Montclair subdivision, and then Ward One picks up. But again, so that obviously was expanded. That's the one that was the smallest. Right. So there are some changes. Uh, again, you may not be voting uh, where you voted last time or who you voted for last time. So uh, there will be more information coming out about that, obviously in the spring. Um, you know, so just kind of pay attention here and elsewhere. And uh, we'll try to keep it as formal as possible. Well, sadly, Derek, that seems to be the only place that's talking about it is uh, the UCW podcast. So we're, <laughs> we talk about it more than most. You and I were at a meeting last night with a group of guys, and we had numerous people mention to us, uh, hey, enjoy what y'all are doing. I had no idea about the wards. I had no idea about the situation. And look, whether you like it or don't like it or like your alderman or don't like your alderman, that, that doesn't matter. The Supreme Court of the United States of America says this is the way things are supposed to be. Hernando has been out of, quote unquote, whack, out of the correct numbers for almost a decade now. Known about it, done nothing about it, paid hundreds of, maybe not even hundreds of thousands. 65000 Okay, so I've paid tens of tens of thousands of dollars for consultants, attorneys, asking all these different questions, whatever, and did nothing about it. So it's done now. So it's done I now. Mean, congratulations to the, the board 
for bringing it up. I mean, again, and some of them voted no, but the fact that they had the conversation, look, I mean, that's what it is. That's, that's a democracy. You that's get to it. debate, you get to argue, um, you know, you get to vote, and then, you know, somebody will win, somebody will lose, and then, you know, in the future, hopefully you can compromise, and, and that's, that's what it is. So I'm just glad it came. I'm glad it was done. Look forward to, to you know, to see what happens from, from here on out. Pushing 35 minutes of discussing different things, the Board of Aldermen meeting. Some of our shows sometimes run long, and we appreciate people sticking with us through that. Again, the number of guys last night that mentioned to me, man, I had no idea about this. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we want to do. That's one of the reasons we started the show is to discuss and talk about uh, facts. Everybody's uh, welcome here as far as a uh, – alderman standpoint or politician standpoint we want to be fair and honest about what we're doing here uh, but we really want to shine a light on some different things going on in hernando so i'm glad they got it done uh, it was right uh, i think Derek, the biggest thing coming out of tuesday night's uh, thing is the camera angle and uh, the quality <laughs> the quality of the camera that could be better uh, with the uh, youtube live stream well i it could be but i'm yeah. just glad it's there oh, i know i agree it's, it's very t- and I, I do plan on you know making as many meetings in person as I can, but some nights are just hard, and no, it's nice to be able to have it there. Somebody that does have a good camera, a better camera angle, uh, is the South Haven Alderman meeting, and I do want to bring up something, one thing from their Alderman meeting from this past uh, Tuesday, is that they have now finalized the bridge plans or the bridge design that will be going over Getwell Road. Uh, the bridge design, for those of y'all that are not aware, there will be a pedestrian bridge leading from Snowden Grove, to Silo Square. That's going to be at the basically at the corner of Getwell and May Boulevard. It's going to be it's going to have a brick columns on both sides with a pedestrian bridge in the middle. Very beautiful. Uh, they've got renderings now on South Haven. You can go on the South Haven website, city website, and see it. Uh, just a beautiful rendering. I think there may be a couple of uh, posts somewhere on the on the maybe Hernando happenings or something like that. I think somebody posted it on there. But please try to find it. Um, the pedestrian bridge uh, will be uh, start under construction in January. They expect to be walking on it by September. So this is something that this time next year you'll be walking across the pedestrian bridge. They will have traffic signals. Obviously, now you have a pedestrian bridge. There's going to be a lot of traffic. And so at May Boulevard, when it's finished going into Silo Square, now right now it dead ends into Getwell. It'll be extended into Silo Square. And when that extends there, they're going to have the lights actually be under the pedestrian bridge. And there will also be arms coming off of the brick I guess towers on either side that con- that will also have the lights hanging. You know, if you're crossing Getwell, going you know from one place to the other. Uh, the mayor made mention that he believes, and I will I'll take him at his word because I have not researched this, but he believes that once the pedestrian bridge is finished, it's going to have the longest pedestrian trail in DeSoto County. So you'll be able to walk obviously all the way around the baseball parks. You can walk, um, you know, through the where the amphitheater is to the pedestrian bridge, over the pedestrian bridge, and then all through they'll have you know sidewalks and stuff all through Silo Square, all the way almost to you know once it's complete, obviously all the way to Chulahoma. So just a a wonderful project for the city of South Haven. It's going to be really nice because you know if you're if you're on that long stretch and you get to um, like if you're at I guess what is that Nail Road and you're looking straight toward Goodman. I mean, it's, it's long and it's flat, and you can see that stoplight about a mile, mile and a half away, way down there. Well, now you're going to have some height right there. It'll give you height. You know, uh, the bridge is going to be over there, so it kind of will block that view and just give a more intimate feel for that area. I think it's a, a great project for South Haven. Um, it will be – it'll have the word, I think, Snowden District will be on the top of the bridge. So just very well done. And, again, if you haven't seen the renderings, please find them. Looking forward to it. And uh, this time next year, hopefully we'll have concerts. 
be able to walk from the concert across to Silo Square to get you a, a before drink, an after drink, a piece of cheesecake, some slim chickens. And so I think, again, just a great, great project for the city of South Haven. Brian Hill and the team are doing a great job there at the Silo Square. I mean, continue to build on, and I, I think a lot of the apartments are already rented. The homes are selling tremendously fast. Oh, yeah, the cottages are spoken yeah, for, all the waiting lists for the apartments. Yep. Uh, commercially, residential, it's it's been tremendous. So it makes total sense that they would have this pedestrian bridge that crosses that safe. It's uh, safe for the, the citizens of South Haven, all of us that go to Stone Grove, all of us that go to concerts and stuff like that. Just a really neat project. I think it's going to be a great addition to the Getwell Road area. Yeah, the towers will have both There'll be stairs that come out from the tower and kind of diagonal down to the ground, and then each tower will also have an elevator. So just a a great thing to use. Right. And, uh, and just south of it. there, they got the cigar bar that's going to have the, mm-hmm. the third-story uh, bar. Rooftop bar. Yeah, rooftop bar right there. I think you can probably see into the Stone Grove Amphitheater mm-hmm. from that uh, that angle there. So it's going to be really neat. So, again, you and I talk about it all the time. South Haven's that area is doing a really good job of some neat things that all of DeSoto County people, DeSoto County residents can enjoy. They really are. And so just and a lot of just – Again, good structure, architecturally going to look very nice, and going to have a lot of good signs you know, uh, around the area to kind of direct people where to go. Somebody that can make those signs at the Print House. podcast is brought to you by the Print House, located at 2462 Church Street. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services, business cards, banners, screen printing for T-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and T-shirt needs. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of T-shirts, the ladies at the print house can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105. Or find them online at theprinthousems.com. That's theprinthousems.com. Also brought to you by a new advertiser to the UTW podcast, William Services. William Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Entering this fall season, the leaves are about to start falling. Williams Services specializes in leaf removal, tree trimming, and fall cleanups. Give Richard a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find them on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services. Be sure and tell Richard and the team that you heard about them on the UTW podcast. I guess a couple of new things coming up, but also a couple of things that have been canceled because of the new mask mandate we wanted to cover real quick. The first one is is that the Crew Boo Fun Run uh, that was scheduled for October 31st from 1 to 3 at the Milton Kirkendall Park, uh, the old track in Hernando, has been canceled. Uh, we've had to cancel that because of the mask mandate of no more than 50 people in a social gathering outside course this was going to have we want to have moon balances and kids games and uh, obviously everybody kind of running slash walking together and around a mile uh, around the I guess the area there and around the track and so because of the mass mandate we were you know well on our way to over a couple hundred people so definitely more than 50 uh, we've had to cancel that and put it off. Well, we hope to uh, start that again next year uh, for, to be the inaugural. You know, we hate it for the, the kids, and we, and we really thank all the families that have started to register. And so, again, that is postponed. Uh, also postponed is the Olive Branch uh, Movies Under the Stars at the Wesson House. Uh, this was a month-long program in the month of October every Thursday night that started with Frozen and uh, Abominable were shown the first two Thursdays. However, the one last night 
which was Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, was canceled. And then the one next Thursday, which was going to be Onward, has also been canceled. So, again, the uh, movies Under the Stars at the Wesson House and Olive Branch both have been canceled. Now, for some good news. Two new things uh, are still on track. The first one being the Hernando Christmas Open House that will take place uh, still on November 14th and 15th, Saturday and Sunday. That will be an all-weekend open house, the Dickens Christmas. They have the Victorian era look to it. That is currently outside of the mandate. The mandate is to ends at 5 p.m. on November 11th. This is November 14th and 15th, so that is still in place uh, as of this time. So please, you know, once this is lifted again, we hope to all get out. That'll be a, a big weekend for Hernando. And then uh, recently announced was Cookies with Santa. Uh, this will be in De- on December 6th. And so, Matt, you got a little information on that? That's right. Hernando Parks and Recreation is putting on Cookies with Santa. That's going to be presented by the Hernando Optimus Club, 2 to 5 o'clock, December 6th, 2 to 5 o'clock at the Gale Center. Uh, some of the sponsors include Chick-fil-A of South Haven, uh, the FedEx Employees Credit Association, and even locally, Derek, in Nesbitt, the, sports, the Solid Rock Sportsplex in Nesbitt. Martha's on your calendar. Keep your fingers crossed that you know the mandate's lifted on the 11th, as it's hopefully supposed to be. You know, go ahead and plan on having those you know, about, about a month apart. Uh, with Thanksgiving in the middle, just a, a great time waiting up to the holidays. Cookies with Santa Derek sounds like a magical time. And if you're looking for a magical time, look no further than Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. Their phone number is 662 662- Four six nine six three zero four. That's six six two four six nine six three zero four. Or check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited. Reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher today. Now we turn to sports. Uh, we have got great sports news for DeSoto County. We'll start on the volleyball front. As we mentioned on Tuesday, there were two volleyball teams currently left in the playoffs. One in 6A and one in 5A. We'll start in 5A. Nick Cormorant faced New Hope and came away with a victory, 3-2. to two. So this is for the North Half Championship. The Lake Cormorant won 3-2. to two. The scores being 23-25, 27-25, 25-22, 21-25, and then 15-9. So you see, actually, the last set was, quote-unquote, the easiest set for Lake Cormorant because the other ones were within no more than four points of every set. So just a fantastic hard-fought match, won by Lake Cormorant, 3-2. to two. Some of the, I guess, standout performances, Elijah Rose had 35 kills. Madison Wilkins had 14 kills. London Wilson had 10 kills. Carla Gonzalez led with two aces. Uh, Anna Marshall had 34 digs. And Jasmine Shakan, how many assists? How many assists? You know, you yeah, five this, sets. Five sets, 20, 25, and then the 15 in the last one. How many assists do you think Jasmine Shakan had? 48. 61. 61 assists. 61 assists. Now, I'm, 40, I, I, I'm 41 years old, and I've not assisted 61 people in yeah, my life. <laughs> 61 assists. So, I mean, I know Stockton was good. 61. 61 assists. 61 wow. assists. So, congratulations to her. Congratulations to Lake Cormorant. They will now uh, face Long Beach, Mississippi, not California. Yeah, Long Beach, Mississippi. Long Beach, Mississippi. At 6 p.m. Saturday at Madison Central. So they'll play at Madison Central 6 p.m. against Long Beach. Uh, the last time Lake Cormorant made it to the finals, that was in 2018, where they lost to Van Cleve. Two years away from making it, going back again, facing Madison, uh, excuse me, Long Beach at 6 p.m. Saturday at Madison Central. So good luck to the Lady Gators. The other game, 6A, was DeSoto Central. Uh, playing Madison Central, so Battle of the Centrals. 
DeSoto Central came away with the victory, 3-2. The scores, 25-20, 23-25, 19-25, 25-16, and the tie-breaking set, 16-14. That's a great – so Lake so Cormont – I'm talking to the very end. I just – I mean, Lake, yeah. So Lake Cormont, they were close throughout. That last set was uh, just a – you know, I would have loved to have been there, been in that gym, listened to everything going on for that 16-14. Have to win by two. And so had to go – actually, you know, 15 is what they usually play to. Had to go to 16 because had to win by two. Just a great final set. Congratulations to the Lady Jaguars. Some of the uh, standout performances. Lindsey Cowart, six aces and six digs. Amona Silas, 13 kills and uh, five digs. Kennedy Smith, 16 kills and six digs. Megan Harris had 16 digs. And then Gracie Taylor had 35 assists and seven digs. Gracie, 35 is fantastic. Not 61, but, I mean, again, 35 assists and seven digs. They will now play Brandon for the state championship at 6 p.m. on Saturday in Clinton. So, again, same time as Lake Cormorant, they are playing Brandon in Clinton. Lake Cormorant playing Long Beach at Madison Central. So Jackson area is having the finals, but we got two DC, uh, two excuse me, two DeSoto County teams in the finals. So roughly, Derek, uh, roughly the same time, the 5A and 6A champions for the volleyball ranks in the state of Mississippi could be being crowned with the Soda County teams. That is correct. Uh, shout out to those girls. I mean, just a phenomenal job. Derek and I are apologizing for uh, not getting on the volleyball bandwagon earlier than we did. We really are. Right. Really so, are. Uh, but yeah, three weeks ago we jumped on. We figured out, holy crap, how did we not know that the, the volleyball championships, the, the, the level of volleyball uh, was this good in the Soda County? But we're, we're, we apologize for that. We're catching up. So good luck to Lake Cormorant as they, as they take Long Beach – don't know, Long Beach uh, high school team there for the 5A championship. And then D.C. playing Brandon in Clinton uh, for the 6A championship. So we'll keep you posted on that. Look through the uh, UTW podcast on Facebook on Saturday, and we'll, we'll update you uh, there. So just a shout-out to those girls for continuing to fight and, and just do a great job. We wish nothing but the best that both uh, crowns can come this way. Turning from volleyball, guys, it, it is that time of, of the week on Fridays. Friday mornings we discuss high school football. Uh, so we're going to go back under the water tower. That's where we always start. The Hernando Tigers, if you're listening to the UTW podcast and do not know this, the Hernando Tigers are setting up very well for what could be a nice playoff run. Hernando is 5-2, and 4-0 in district. Uh, Hernando travels to Horn Lake. Horn Lake started out 0 and 3 on the. I'm sorry. Horn Lake started 0 and 2 on the season, right? And has uh, been put put together a 3 and 1 district record over the last four weeks. Uh, Horn Lake is playing very well, uh, but again, they're hosting Hernando tonight. Hernando comes in with a 5 and 2 record, 4 and 0 in district. Uh, it's going to be a big battle tonight, uh, Derek, uh, up in Horn Lake. Can't do it. I can't uh, pick against the Tigers. I just think they're going to win tonight. Yeah, I mean Hernando going to go up there. Uh, led by Zach Wilkie, quarterback, replanting and wide receiver for the offense. They had the forfeit win last week, so of course they have not played uh, in, in a couple weeks. Uh, Horn Lake led by the quarterback, Condor, who had two long TD passes, and then uh, running back Hobson uh, also had a, uh, a touchdown in the loss to Oxford, so they're coming off a loss um, again. So you had, a, you had a forfeit win and a loss, and I think both teams are going to be playing hard. You got three and one and four and zero. Oh. They know this is for the top of the of the the district. They know that you know along obviously with Oxford, who's up there. And so I'm gonna go Tigers too. I, I think, you know, I, I, Horn Lake's been showing us a lot. Uh, I think they, you know, Oxford's a tough team and kind of kind of got taken to them a little bit last week. I do think they regroup. I think this is a very very tight game. I do like Hernando in this. I'll take the Tigers. Yeah, Horn Lake's a good football team. They're three and three on the season, but they start out zero and two, and then like I said, the last four weeks have gone three and one. 
Uh, just been a very solid football team uh, losing to Oxford last week. But, again, we'll get to Oxford in just a second uh, because Oxford seems to play nothing but the Soda County teams. <laughs> they may as well just move up here. Anyway, look, Hernando, uh, again, Under the Water Tower podcast. We start out, we discuss the stuff at Hernando. We wish those Tigers nothing but the best this coming uh, tonight uh, going up to Horn Lake. Just keep it up, guys. Keep fighting hard. Uh, we always go to the east side of the county, Center Hill, as far east as they go. Uh, Center Hill comes in with a 5-2 and two record. Three and one in district. The Center Hill Mustangs are hosting the Saltillo Tigers. Uh, Derek, I can't tell you enough how bad Saltillo is. Saltillo is zero and four on the season in district. Zero and six, uh, you know, on the season. Probably not a very good football team. I feel like Saltillo Tigers are going to travel up to seventy-eight. Literally, already thinking to themselves, man, I can't wait to be home. I think it's Center Hill in a big way tonight. Yeah, Center Hill coming off a thirty-two fourteen win versus New Hope last week. This is just a straight up beat down. Yeah, I don't see. Yep. I mean, I can't. I, I can't wait to text you on Friday night. And there's something. I, I don't there know. Maybe a sixty line, in there. If there's a line on high school games, which again there should not be, but if there was, it could not be high enough for this game. I agree. Saltillo uh, is is just not a good football team. Center Hill Mustangs big tonight over Saltillo. That's the way we see it. Uh, we move a little bit further west. Olive Branch at the Oxford Chargers. As I mentioned a second ago, Oxford may be the class of six A. In North Mississippi, Oxford and Starkville seem to battle that uh, for that position, but Starkville last, uh, lost last week. Uh, Oxford is 6-0 and on the season, 4-0 and in district. Um, they're just a really, really sound football team, a good quality squad. Olive Branch started the season off 4-0 and have rattled off three straight losses. Mm-hmm. It is going to be tough for Olive Branch to travel to Oxford and get a win. Derek, I think Oxford big tonight against the Keisterdors. Olive Branch, of course, coming off the 1914 loss to South Haven, uh, the, the cross-county rival. Ty Walton and Cameron Ford did have rushing TDs last week, so they you know they did. Of course, we know they rushed on the ball 300 yards a game, uh, constantly every week. But I just don't think it's enough against the Oxford Chargers. I was given a couple of um, kind of some football facts uh, sent to me by the uh, Olive Branch coaching staff. It says seven out of the past nine games between Olive Branch and Oxford have been decided by a margin of ten or less points, including six meetings that were decided by eight points or less. And then another one from the 84 to 88 seasons, both Olive Branch and Oxford played in the same Class 4A district. During this time span, Olive Branch was the district champion eight times, and Oxford captured the district title three times. So, again, 25, 30 years ago, they were in 4A. They're now battling 6A, same district again. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be that close tonight. I don't think we're looking at uh, you know eight or ten points. I think it's going to be larger than that with a Chargers victory. And with that win that we're picking tonight – Oxford will actually tie the overall the record between the teams. They'll be you know, right now. Olive okay. Branch has nine wins. Oxford has eight wins. So it'll be nine and nine, we believe, after tonight. Lewisburg Patriots three and five on the season. Zero and four. Three and five on the season. Zero and four in district. They have really struggled as of late. Uh, they're hosting the South Haven Chargers. South Haven had some COVID nineteen issues. South Haven uh, was off for two weeks, but last week beat Olive Branch nineteen to fourteen. So they're one and zero. I'm sorry, they're riding a one game. Uh, streak there. They're one and three in district, two and four in the season. Derek, I got to tell you, I think the Chargers go to Lewisburg, and I, I just really feel like South Haven's going to take it to them. I do too. They got uh, better players. They got better players. They do. Big win last week, of course, against the Olive Branch that you mentioned. Uh, Jordan Hibbler, uh, he threw for two TDs, one of them to Isaiah Brevard, and he also rushed for the other TDs, so he was responsible for all three of the touchdowns. And then Lewisburg, of course, they did come off of a, a pretty hard loss to Tupelo. Uh, Blake Speed and Jason Hoffman did find the end zone for their two scores, but I just don't think they have enough tonight. I think the Chargers go down there and uh, and take care of business. No, I couldn't agree more. I think Lewisburg, no offense, guys, I just feel like you fall to three and six tonight and, and start to head towards the end of the season. Um, 
not looking towards the playoffs. But South Haven, uh, they're, they're coming off the COVID-19 issues. They've got talent that's going Division One, and I think South Haven's going to be a good football team tonight against Lewisburg. Tupelo at D.C. Tupelo comes right back 70. It seems like we're talking about Tupelo and Oxford every single week. I mean, they play all the DeSoto County teams, and, and so we're visiting and talking about them. Tupelo comes to D.C. D.C. is coming off two straight weeks of quarantine. Uh, DC, this will be D.C.'s first game back. They're 2-5 and five on the season, 0-4 in district, but, the, but two of the losses uh, are from the COVID-19 quarantine that they had. So D.C. has not played in two weeks. Tupelo started out with a slow um, – they started out 1-3. They've won three in a row. Uh, Tupelo is now four and three on the season, three and one in district, and I feel like it's going to be Tupelo kind of big on this one. I I, I kind of feel like DC is going to struggle coming back into their coming back on the field, and I really think it's going to be tough. I think this will be closer than the experts okay predict. I do think that you know you're right. The Central has not played in three weeks. Tupelo is on a roll. They figured something out. They they started off what zero and one, zero and two in district. Correct. Really yeah, Tupelo was zero and one because they lost to Hernando. That's right, yes. 0 and one, and so they've really turned it around though, playing playing a lot of good ball. Uh, I do think they get the victory tonight, but I do think DeSoto Central puts up a fight. Remember, they played uh, they played a couple of teams pretty close, uh, lost a heartbreaker to Olive Branch uh, back you know earlier this season, and so I, I do think it's going to be closer. But I also believe that the uh, Golden Wave comes in and takes in, and takes the game. And just to understand, UTW podcast listeners, we'd love to pick DeSoto County teams nonstop, but we got to be realistic here. That's what we're supposed to do: is, is be a little bit uh, neutral uh, and kind of see what we feel like is going to happen. So, uh, last public school game. The Lake Comer Gators, Derek. The Lake Comer Gators are one heck of a football team right now. Five and one on the season, three and one in district. Uh, just a really solid quality football game, uh, football team. Their only loss is to Center Hill. Right. And we talked earlier about what what we feel like the kind of team Center Hill is. Center Hill and Lake Comer seem to be destined for the playoffs, uh, which is phenomenal. Lake Comer has gone to the playoffs the last five years in the five A ranks in Desoto County. But tonight they're playing the Grenada Chargers. Uh, hosting the Grenada Chargers, you know Grenada is four and two on the season, three and one in district. So the winner of this game tonight is uh, is ahead in district. The winner of this game tonight is setting themselves up for a playoff run. Man, I got to, I'm gonna go with the Gators tonight. I like that pick. And I, I, before I, I I get to you know I guess my discussion on this Chargers. <laughs> okay, we have the what Oxford Chargers, we have the South Haven Chargers, and we have the Grenada. Like, is there only three names to pick from? I mean, we have all. I'm looking at the board. That we have here in the uh, mobile studios, and I'm—I see Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. There's two Mustangs. I mean, a couple Tigers. It, uh, Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, let's just char. Can we? All right. <laughs> what so they doing? I mean, were they ten? Like in uh, there, there like a, okay, yes. you, you have you have three choices. Right, you can be exactly. a Charger. You can be a Tiger. You can be a Mustang. <laughs> so you pick what you're going to be. If you're going to be in North Mississippi, I, I don't like. We we got to get. Some diversity in this. Well, mascots. the fact that the, I mean, they, let's say these were uh, these were picked in the fifties. I don't know, whatever it was, but the fact that it seems like ten names went out and that was it. That was it. Was done. That was it. Now maybe maybe the, they were named when electricity was discovered. I, I have no idea yeah. for the charge. I mean, it's just anyway. I'm, that's that's my rant. Uh, I I think that you know, again, this is gonna be a great game. I yeah, think I probably the best game in the county. Yeah, I agree. Uh, besides Hernando and Horn Lake, I think this is. Um, just going to be a really good game. You know, quarterback Telvin Amos uh, last week for Wake Comerant ran for two Ds, and he threw for another. Uh, and I think that he's going to lead the Gators again in this victory. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a close game, maybe you know, maybe three points, maybe five points, something like that. But I do believe that the Gators come come away. Hey, look at the uh, UCW podcast on Facebook on Saturday morning. I'm going to try and make it a point to put out the scores. 
Let's do that on, on Saturday morning. I like that idea. Yeah, so let's put out the scores on Saturday morning. No information on them, but put out the scores at least so you, you'll know who won. Uh, you can know where Derek and I uh, went wrong, of course, which we've been known to do. But uh, let's do that. So I agree with you. I think Lake Comrade's going to win. Uh, again, Lake Comrade, Center Hill, uh, the Soto County football this uh, this year, in the odd year that it is, uh, COVID-19-based, 2020, I think we're, the Soto County football has been pretty pretty strong. And so I feel like those, both of those teams are headed to the playoffs, and, and that starts tonight for LC against Grenada. Moving to the private school ranks, North Point, 3-3 three and three on the season, 1-2 and two on, in district. They come home uh, last last week they played Lausanne. They played Lausanne. It did not go well. Did not go well. <laughs> it did not go well. It was a beatdown from uh, pretty early on. But anyway, North Point, 3-3 three and three on the season, 1-2 and two in district, has another district game against the St. Saint Cho- George Griffins, which is kind of a, a North Carrierville, St. George Griffins. Uh, St. George is only playing district games this year, so they've only played three games, but their record is one and two in district and one and two on the season. So that's something they've chosen to do is play district games. Uh, Derek, set me up a little bit about, about that. Tell us about North Point and tell us about St. George's. Well, St. George's, I mean, the last couple of years they've been really tough. I believe they won the – well, actually, they beat North Point in the state championship back in 2015, if I remember correctly. So, again, they had a traditionally a, a strong team over the last four or five years. Uh, the Again, the virus, they had a lot of uh, public schools um, – Public school teams scheduled on their schedule. Once Memphis Public Schools decided they weren't going to play football, St. George's decided instead of trying to reschedule those games, they were just going to play out the district schedule. That's where we are. Now, they're one and two. One of their losses is a forfeit to Harding, which may be the next to the worst team in the district. So, good for you, Harding, for getting your one win. St. George's, the other losses, of course, were to ECS. Oh, excuse me, the other loss was to ECS. Now, the loss was last week to ECS. Now, we know ECS is a, a tough team, a great team. They, I mean, they'll play Houston. They'll play Carville, large schools, beat them, hang with them. They only lost 17-14, so I had to find a little information about the ECS quarterback has been suspended from the team. Hello. Uh, we will not talk about what it was for. Maybe off-air I'll tell you, Matt, because – but it um, <laughs> does not need to be discussed from what I heard was the reason he was kicked off the team. Oh, wow. But let's just say he is no longer on the team. And there, that's why the loss was 17-14. So, unfortunately, North Point, you played him before he decided to get kicked off the team. Is the quarterback, is the quarterback position an important position? That's a pretty important position. Especially uh, in high school. Definitely in high school. <laughs> and let me tell you, so I watched the ECS quarterback, but he was good. He was, good. He was really good. He uh, gone. He gone. He gone. <laughs> um, so, again, they played a team. Now, I'm not saying that the rest of the players, I'm not saying the backup's not good. So, St. George's probably has a pretty good team. I would like to think that North Point could go up there uh, and beat them. Uh, I tried the reverse jinx last week, pick against North Point. It went horrendously wrong. Yes, it did. Therefore, I will recuse myself from this pick. <sighs> Matt, I will let you pick this. I'm going to recuse myself uh, out of, you know, just respect for the team and for, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if anybody knows what St. George's had. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, last week I picked I picked the Trojans to beat the uh, Lausanne Lynx. I picked them to win. Uh, Derek, you and I received a, a text from Brian Couch about 9 o'clock that night and said, did one of y'all pick somebody to win? And I said it was Matt, and it was 41 to nothing at halftime. So it was an absolute murder. Yes. I'll recuse myself from this pick. Okay, so I'm going to I'm, I'm keep it real. I'm going to listen to what you just said. The quarterback who was a really good quarterback was out. St. George's 1-2 in the season. North Point three and three. I mean, when it's all said and done, battling for a playoff spot, maybe, maybe. No, no, no if they, if they, yes, they can. If, okay, okay. If they win one of the next two, they're in the playoffs. You know what? I'm riding the Trojans. I'm going with the Trojans. I've seen them. Uh, I was there when the the uh, good running back lost. Uh, I'm sorry, the good running back got injured for the year. Shout out to that young man. I mean, 
I mean, like the second carry of the game, I saw him. It was bad. It was done. It's yeah. so sad for him. But uh, anyway, you know what? I'm going to ride the Trojans. Trojans, certainly not, I'm not going to say in a big way, but I think the Trojans can get it done against St. George's tonight. Yeah, I'm going Trojans. All right. I'll pass on the support. <laughs> yeah. I like so, it. Yeah. Tell your son that I picked the Trojans, and we'll I see will. what happens. I will. So, uh, Brian, will expect that text tonight, 37 nothing St. George's. <laughs> But uh, anyway, MHS Chiefs, uh, the uh, Magnolia Heights Chiefs, again, I say it every week. Uh, we cover Magnolia Heights because a lot of the Soda County kids go down there. So shout out to the Chiefs down in, in Sanatobia. Magnolia Heights is playing at Mantachi. Mantachi is a public school. Mantachi is 3-3 three and three on the season, 2-1 and one in district. This is not a district game. Uh, probably one of those, um, for lack of a better word, uh, schedule fillers. Tonight, and and so that's what we're looking at. Magnolia Heights five and four on the season, two and three. That's five and four on the season, two and three in district. So it is not a district game. Doesn't matter about playoffs or anything like that. You know what, Derek? I'm probably going to take Mantachi tonight. Got to be honest with you. I think Mantachi is probably going to be. I mean, shallow on my end, but Mantachi versus Magnolia Heights. I'm going to say they probably got a few more players. I'm going to go with Mantachi Mustangs tonight against Magnolia Heights. Magnolia Heights coming off that loss last week to Pillow Academy, forty-two to twelve. Mantachi come into the game off of a 28-8 win over Strayhorn. Strayhorn. Right, Strayhorn's a, a juggernaut. Uh, just, a, just a juggernaut. <laughs> and Tate County, just a dominant school. Yeah, Tate Strayhorn. County. And surprisingly, Mantachi is the Mustangs. Okay, surprising. So, again, Chiefs, Mustangs, Chargers, whatever. Again, there was a list that went out in 1955 that said, hey, you have to be these these mascots. But, again, I'll also, I'm – I'm with you, Mustangs. I, I just I like the name Mantachi Mustangs. No, it's I'm not just, bad. Yeah, so that's pretty Mustangs. Yeah, so Mantachi's going to beat Magnolia Heights tonight. I'm sorry, guys. So we'll see what happens next week when it comes back. Probably in the district. Prove us wrong, Chiefs. Prove right, us prove wrong. wrong. Exactly. So we've been with you the entire time. Uh, Magnolia Heights has done a great job from a coronavirus standpoint. They're the they're the team that has the most games under their belt that we cover each and every week on the UCW podcast. So we appreciate uh, you guys and appreciate y'all doing that. So real quick, we're going to pick one game, Derek. We're going to go to uh, all this stuff doesn't matter. The most important part and the most most popular part of the UTW podcast, at least our Friday show, is the mascot battle royale. Mascot battle royale. So, Derek, where are we going? We've got Chargers. I think seven teams up on the board have Chargers uh, at the end of it. Um, so, we got the Hernando I'm, Tigers. Where we're, we we're avoiding all Chargers. All Chargers, yeah. If you're a Charger, I'm, you're done. Tonight, I mean, today, excuse me, if you're a Charger playing tonight, you, we're, you're, we're not, we can't pick you. No. Uh, let's go – Chiefs and Mustangs. We've talked about that. The Chiefs and Mus- the Chiefs we've done beat that the Mustangs. Three times yes. this year, I think. Three times. Do we do? Do we? Do we I think we've done. Have we done Tiger Eagle? Uh, no, mean, but what we are doing is this because we, we have to mention this one. Uh, the North Point Trojans play the St. George Griffins. The Griffins are a mythological lion with uh, wings yes. type stuff. I, I don't even know what a Griffin is. It's pretty phenomenal. St. George actually. St. George is actually rents vans from Mid South Vans from Mobile. Uh, car and van rental so i've been out there numerous times i've looked at their mascot there's a big uh bronze mascot of the griffin oh, yeah. i don't even know what it is it, 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 it's it's a lion with wings it's, it's a, a lion a with mythical wings. It, it, lion straight with wings. out of clash of the titans tremendous i gotta tell you though trojan versus a griffin i'm i'm probably going griffin it's a mythical creature yeah yes you have to go griffin right yes yeah. okay i mean, I mean we're, we're, we're talking some harry potter stuff here like it, you've got to go Absolutely. Griffin. so i'm a lion so i'm, I'm already a bad you know whatever I'm going to put some wings on. Yeah. I don't know, but probably shoot some fire or something. I don't know. Yeah. A Trojan, he's just standing there. He's doing his thing. I don't know what he, he's, he's 
flailing at it. I mean, I mean, lost. maybe a couple arrows at it, but you know, yeah, it's, it's a griffin. It's a griffin. So we're going the St. George Griffins uh, mascot to beat the North Point Trojan mascot in the cage battle. Uh, period. So we need Look, a griffin versus a dragon. Now, yeah, that's what we that need. Would be See, good. That's what we need. We need can we get a dragon that up here? Good. Can we get that, a dragon? I'm sorry. The dragon did not meet the 1955 list that no, went out to right, North Mississippi. You're right, you're correct. We have seven chargers, uh, a keister, whatever, uh, Center Hill Mustangs. We've already done that a million times. So we're going to go with the St. George Griffin, whatever that is, to beat the Trojans tonight in the mascot battle royale. Agree. If you enjoy what you're talking about, I know we've gotten a little bit silly here on a Friday morning, and we apologize for that. But, look, if you enjoy what you hear on the UTW Podcast, join us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. Look us up on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and also look us up on Twitter at UTW Pod. That's UTW Pod on Twitter. I had somebody reach out to us yesterday uh, simply to ask me, hey, I really enjoyed the interview with Corey Elselton. Do you have a Twitter account? And so, yeah, I had uh, I responded to her at the UTW Pod at Twitter. So, look, most importantly, if you like what you hear each and every Tuesday and Friday from the UTW Podcast, please Go wherever you're listening to our voices right now. Go and subscribe to our podcast so you'll know on Tuesdays and Thursdays when we put out those shows each and every week. So please subscribe to the UTW podcast on whatever podcast listener, I'm sorry, podcast provider that you guys have. Derek, anything else? Actually, there's one thing. Before we go, I wanted um, I found out, I think uh, yesterday maybe, uh, my high school baseball and football coach had a stroke um, in the last day or so, uh, Coach Ken Beasley. Just a great, great man. Um, again, he taught me uh, taught me math uh, for a couple of years in high school. He was the math teacher, uh, but also was my baseball coach and my football coach. And just uh, an outstanding man, uh, married to his wife Sue for many, many years. 74 years old, had a br- uh, blood clot in his brain. He's doing better. He was flown to Jackson, uh, having problems speaking, problem moving his right side. Uh, but you know, he's just touched a lot of lives. I believe he's in the uh, Sports Hall of Fame in Mississippi um, because of the number. I think he had over 300 high school wins. Uh, and I mean, just a, again, a, a great coach, a great man, a great role model. And we just want to say, or I want to say that, um, you know, coach busy that we love you and we're thinking of you and we're praying for you. And, you know, we hope that you get better soon. And, you know, next time in Natchez, hope I get to see you anyway, just, uh, prayers up for uh, coach Kim Beasley. What a testament to Coach Beasley. I, I certainly don't know him and didn't even know you were going to mention that. What an awesome uh, ministry to for him to uh, to touch you, you young men there down in Natchez uh, and be a part of your life. So uh, no other way to put that, but I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the Water Tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl. Same grade as me. Try to kiss her once